2: Welcome to the milestone 100th ever show of all-around sports. Reach each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as some audio from the Boston Bruins practice that I attended. Also, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is tonight's four NBA Playoff Game Sixes, headlined, of course, by the Boston Celtics and Houston Rockets, both trying to win tonight and have a chance to become the first team or teams in NBA history to come back from uh, down 3 nothing. Both have the look right now that they can do it. So uh, we'll wait and see, but it's just going to be great theater. Uh, Again, four game sixes tonight. It's going to be awesome. And the city of Boston is absolutely buzzing over the Celtics uh, for them to go into New York uh, and show the true heart of the champions that they are and basically dominate the Knicks on on the floor of Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night. Very impressive. And, you know, what a great run it's been. Everybody in Boston absolutely just loves this team. Uh, every time you think the big, the quote, big three era now minus Ray Allen, but this era for the past six years is going to end. Uh, they keep prolonging it. So hats off to them. It's just awesome. And there's just nothing better than when the Bruins and the Celtics are both in the playoffs at the same time. Wednesday night was uh, as good as it gets. Literally both games started at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night. Game six, Celtics. Game one, Bruins versus Toronto Maple Leafs. I went to the local sports establishment called Jake and Joe's. Absolutely packed off the charts, high energy, and, you know, gazillion TVs were uh, all focused on all showing both games back and forth with the sound. Whenever there was like, you know, breaking the first period of the Bruins game, they went to the Celtics sound and vice versa. Fabulous stuff. And uh, it's just going to get better and better. Uh, we hope uh, up here in Boston. So we'll wait and see what happens. But again, Wednesday night. Was a night to treasure as they both played at the exact same time. Sticking with the NBA, my low light of the week was the Knicks wearing black to Madison Square Garden for Game Five on Wednesday night. I guess uh, Kenyon Martin reached out to his teammates to tell them to uh, wear black for the quote Celtics funeral, and it sure didn't turn out that way. J.R. Richard. Uh, from the Knicks had the best line when he said, uh, we came dressed for a funeral, but it was us who got buried. And uh, so I, I just couldn't believe they did it. I mean, I don't know why the Knicks would pick literally one of the all-time teams that you don't poke. That's this era of the Celtics led by, of course, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Why any team in their right mind would do anything to rile these guys up uh, is simply beyond me. And not to mention it was just, uh, you know, insensitive to uh, wear black for a, quote, funeral a mere five days, meaning last Friday night, when the Knicks were in the garden, when uh, when the Celtics honored the victims and the first responders from the marathon bombings. It just, you know, again, didn't make sense on so many levels. And uh we'll see what happens tonight. Should be fun. Sticking with the NBA, my bizarre story of the week, uh, because I was watching it and I just haven't seen it in a while, was uh Oklahoma City Thunder coach Scotty Brooks playing the old hack a shack game with uh the center from the Houston Rockets a seek, and it was bizarre in that, number one, I haven't seen it in a while, and number two, uh, he did it to whittle down a big lead, got it down to six, seven points with about three, four minutes to go, and there was simply no need to continue to do it. He, it was mission accomplished, uh, where they were within striking distance with enough time. So you'd think he would stop, but he didn't. He just continued, and, of course, the biggest... Uh, bizarre part of it all was that a Sikh was hitting always free, not always free throws, but a majority of them and all credit to him. He was being, you know, just completely disrespected. I mean, the thunder were running up to this guy. The minute the inbounds pass was made and putting their arms around him somewhere near like mid court and did it four or five times in a row. And again, just, uh, uh, you know, challenging his manhood uh, beyond his free throw shooting acumen. And so I give him a lot of credit for just stepping up and uh, basically hitting most of his free throws, which helped put the game away and the Thunder never really drew close. So, as I mentioned earlier, my event of the week that I attended was uh, Boston Bruins practice. Uh, Earlier this week, I went to the... Final game of the year on Sunday night, which was a great night. It was fan appreciation night. So there's just nonstop giveaways. So it was just really cool. I'd never been to one of those before. And uh, it was the game that was scheduled originally to be played the night of the marathon bombings. Obviously, uh, that game was canceled that night along with many other Boston events. And they rescheduled it for after the season. Ended officially last Friday, but before the playoffs began on Wednesday. So that just got me fired up for hockey, the Bruins, and most importantly, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've said it before, you know, this side of uh NFL playoffs, uh it's the best thing in sports. I'm watching a lot of it already. It has not disappointed here in the first few nights. And... uh so it was just great we to, 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 you to, you know, get, get the flavor. And, uh, I and so why don't we why don't we just start with some of the uh, sound bites that I heard? Uh, they were all in attendance. It was at the TD Garden in Boston, and uh, here we go. Why don't we get started with Claude Julian, the coach of the Bruins, setting the stage for the playoffs? We're we're
1: challenging ourselves to to get our game back and, uh, even though we didn't win uh, some of those games. Uh, we were faced with six teams in the last nine days, and I thought our guys did a pretty good job of uh, battling hard through those uh, six games. So I uh, really have to challenge ourselves to, to be better in certain areas, and I talked about uh, you know, finishing on our scoring opportunities and stuff like that. So uh, no matter who we play, uh, I think it's is so important that we focus on what we have to do versus what the other team is going to do to make us better, or uh, or see if it's a better fit. Right now, uh, you know, our focus has really been on, on our team and uh, making sure we got the right elements and the, and the right focus moving forward.
2: Well, we all remember that the Bruins won the Stanley Cup a mere two years ago, and the MVP of the series. The reason they won the cup, biggest reason was, of course, goalie Tim Thomas. Uh, now living, I believe, out in Colorado or something, but the twist to this year's playoffs is uh, Tuka Rask uh, backed up Tim Thomas for a number of years and now is his moment to shine in the sun. He is the man. The Bruins are going to go anywhere. Uh, make a deep run into the play- uh, Stanley Cup playoffs this year. Tuka's going to have to come up big, so here's what he had to say.
3: Playoffs, but I just, you know, last year was kind of you know, that and stuff. I, you know, I was just happy to be a part of it, and no
1: matter if I didn't even play, it was a fun experience. But uh, it's just
2: fun to be the guy who's playing. And Tuca's teammates certainly recognize that, uh, as always in the uh, postseason, the goalie is the key. So uh, Brad Marchand, the little ball of hate, as he's known up here, had this to say about his teammate Tuca. Uh, You know,
3: he's got a big opportunity in front of him, and, and, uh, you know, he's very focused and determined. He's been
1: looking forward to this, and, um, you know, I think uh, we're going to need him if we're going to have a good run, and and especially in this series, I mean, they got a lot of talent and a lot of skill over there.
2: And uh, another person who did not participate in last year's playoffs, which was a first-round exit for the Bruins, uh, but was the hero. Two years ago, behind Timmy Thomas, is uh, Nathan Horton. He was injured last year, did not play, and uh, he's back. And here's what he had to say about getting the playoffs underway. It's, uh, going through it and then, and then sitting out last year, but, uh, you know, this is the time you, know, you do want to play it. The season was definitely hard on everyone this year playing every other night for most of the year, but you know, this is uh, play every night in the playoffs and still be up for the game because that's uh, that's the way it is, and I think I'm just excited to be back in it. And another premier talent on the Bruins, he was on the cup winning team, but he was just a fresh faced uh. Young rookie a couple years ago, but now he is a full-fledged superstar oozing with talent. That, of course, is Tyler Sagan, and here's what uh, Tyler had to say about the playoffs. Um, you know, when I still look at, you know, the stats of uh, our team, you know I think I'm still up there in shots on that. Uh, you know, but I think it comes down to the opportunity. Sometimes I'm shooting puck to shoot pucks, and other times where I have a chance to to bear down and shoot the puck hard. Uh, you know, I'm trying to make an extra play. So when it comes to big games and playoff games, you know, this is where it really counts. We have to put those pucks uh, on that. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at a 2-1, maybe shooting it low instead of trying to make that fancy pass. And lastly, we have what many consider the, uh, the core of the Bruins, uh, which is Milan Lucic for as Lucic goes so often, so go the Bruins. He's showing signs of his uh, physicality, using his physicality again, and when that's happening, the Bruins are just simply a better team. So here's what Lucic had to say.
1: A real hard battle. i don't think, uh, you know, we're not looking at you know what's happened in the past or what's happened this year in the season. You know we're looking at uh, what we need to do to, to make sure our game's at our best and what we need to do to, to win this series. And uh, you know we know they're going to come out hard. We know uh, there's a lot of buzz around that team, a lot of buzz around that city, and, and
2: uh, we got to make sure we come out in game one playing the way that
1: we, playing the
2: way that we know how to play. So that was uh, Luchic and a number of other. Boston Bruins and Coach Cla- Claude Julien, they showed they were ready for the playoffs because the very next night, I was there on Tuesday, the very next night, they uh, beat up on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so the Stanley Cup playoffs are underway in Boston, uh, game two tomorrow night. I will be there. Can't wait. And, again, it is just absolutely the best time of the year in Boston when the Celtics and Bruins are both in the playoffs at the same time. So no matter what, we still, no matter what happens to the Celtics tonight, we still have that going on for at least another uh, 10 or 12 hours more minimum. And the whole city's hoping for much, much longer. So as my former co-host, Lima Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. and Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine.
4: 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America
1: Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. Back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today?
3: Oh, I'm doing very good, John. Good to be here.
2: Good to have you. Thanks for calling in. I know you've had a busy week, and uh, when last we spoke a week ago at this time, you were on your way to New York for days two and three of the draft, Friday night and Saturday, and uh, so we're all anxious to hear all about it. How did day two and three go?
3: Yeah, I think the, the focal point for day two, John, was the drafting of Geno Smith by the New York Jets, and actually that second day, sometimes the players won't show up because they're so disappointed not being drafted in the first round, but I guess he sat down with some of his advisors, and he decided to come back, and luckily, because it would have been kind of a disappointment for all the New York Jet fans in attendance, uh, they didn't get a chance to see him come across the stage, but that was uh, interesting, and one thing I... You know, being around him a little bit and talking to different people, I'm not sure if he has the maturity level to play in New York. That's a very tough town and those fans are demanding and there's no time for pouting or sulking if you don't, something doesn't go your way and, you, and you're going to face adversity if you're a quarterback in the NFL. So I question right now his level of maturity and ability to play in the greater New York area.
2: Well, he was certainly one of the big stories of the draft, and you know interesting guy, I had the opportunity to interview him face to face last August at Big East Football Media Day in Newport Rhode Island, and you know he's from miami that's where he played high school right. ball, and then you know uh, how how exactly he ended up in Morgantown i'm not quite sure, but they let they let him get away and I was really glad to see him come back. I know there, he was so disappointed not getting drafted, uh, in the first round on Thursday night. And then, uh, I know he was considering taking off and, uh, fortunately he did not because obviously one of the questions about Gino is his maturity and for him to have left would have been a sign of immaturity. Uh, and like you referenced, you know, the, I've been to the last two drafts. You've been to a lot of them as well. You know, the dominant entity at, at every NFL draft are New York Jet fans. It's a, they've just like made it their home. Every team is represented, but the Jets fans clearly are the most vociferous and the most noticed. So, so I was glad to see, glad to see, you know, it got off to a great start because uh, not only was it Gino right off the bat, but the other ultra controversial figure if you will uh person of interest from the from on the draft was obviously Manti Teo so I think they were like you know both taken within the first five ten minutes of the draft on Friday night correct
3: yeah I, I was happy to see him taken by San Diego it's just a plane ride away from that coast to his home in Hawaii so he'll have a chance to you know fit in with the chargers and and he can move on in his career. I mean, he's explored and explained everything to the media about the situation that happened to him. So, so good for him. Let's see what he can do And second round. That's a good spot for him.
2: Yes, and it was obviously uh, the the minute I heard it, I loved it. I mean, I instantly thought of you know how close to, how San Diego is the closest NFL franchise to Hawaii, where he's from. So I, I just like that right off the bat, and. uh Yeah, just that whole sort of, you know, San Diego culture, I believe, is absolutely perfect for him. And, you know, given his story of, you know, recent months and all that, I I just think it was, you know, a a perfect landing spot for him. And, you know, I hope he does well. I I said from day one that the, you know, imaginary girlfriend story broke that I thought it was going to cost him, you know, being drafted in the first round. It did. It did. Uh, but I was just as equal, you know, but, uh, glad to see him go right off the bat Friday night. And again, him and Gino were, you know, big ones. And, uh, the other really big name I thought was, uh, USC quarterback, Matt Barkley. And, uh, I loved what he had to say after he got drafted about, uh, you know, he's dedicating himself to basically making every team that passed on him pay for it. And, of course, I, I, I for a decade I've gotten to see up close and personal the, the most famous example of that thinking, which obviously is Tom Brady.
4: Yeah,
3: that can be a motivational fuel for a player, John. I think in Geno Smith's case, for instance, I think it led him to an attitude of more pouting than fuel. I mean, if Matt Barkley just seemed to have a much more positive attitude. Well, I'm going to show him, but he didn't take it, you know, as personal as Geno Smith did, where he's going to retreat from the from the situation. I mean, he, and Matt Barkley, as you said, is going to be like Tom Brady. He'll come out and compete, and and he's in that offense with uh, Coach Kelly of the Eagles from Oregon. So I think he'll probably do quite well there.
2: I do too, you know. And again, uh just felt. A little out of character you know i like matt barkley uh you know he would have been a top five pick a year ago stuck around and his stock fell but uh you know again just speaking of california you know he's kind of that you know at least the perception was there of you know quote laid back california southern california quarterback but uh so i loved hearing that from him and uh and, you know, he's a seriously talented player. He certainly was two years ago, and last year just a lot of things went wrong from day one and uh, wasn't his best year. But we'll see if he can, uh, you know, live up to his expectations, AP. Uh, any other stories from the draft, uh, you know, that got your attention? Yeah,
3: I think one thing that caught my eye, there's a couple teams that set some uh, milestones. For instance, Connecticut, a local team, had five people selected in the draft that was an all-time high so if they can continue to recruit and develop which i always try to put those words together the, the, their program will you know flourish in the future and then rutgers i kept hearing that name I'm, as i'm sitting at radio city and like a, every round you're hearing somebody from rutgers being drafted they had a, a school high of 7 so that caught my attention uh the, the second round we had five running backs i I guess the position is a little bit devalued, and unless you're Adrian Peterson, uh, not many people are going to be drafted in the first round from here on out because it's a passing league now. I mean, it's nice to have a running back, but it's not mandatory to draft one in the first round. Uh, another thing that caught my eye, John, was from the Alabama LSU game of 2011, and people really bemoaned that defensive struggle, that 9-6 to game. There have been 31 people drafted from that game, 22 on defense just so far, and th- and that won't include the ones drafted this year. I guess in 2000, and th- the 2002 game of Ohio State Miami, there were 37. So they might catch up to that record, maybe, in the wow. next year. Uh You know, people being drafted from one particular game from two teams. That uh, is an astounding figure. Oh, it's unbelievable. I I had to double check that twice. You know. Just to uh, realize that was true. Another thing, John, the SEC this year had six a record 63 players. They just they had 32 drafted just from the Eastern Division of the SEC, which was one more than the second league ACC had 31. Uh, My so those figures. I, I mean, normally the SEC is right up there, but th- this was beyond above and beyond anything in the past uh 1983 I guess the Pac 10 at the time had 55
4: holy cow uh, and
3: the, yeah and the SEC also had 12 first rounders that 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 ties a record too so 25% of the draft was SEC
2: oh my gosh that is just incredible uh, i mean it just speaks to the success on the field that we've all seen uh uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they've played in seven straight national championship games, won most of them. And, uh, you know, it's an understatement now to say it's on a serious roll the SEC. It's just utterly dominant in a way that you just don't see too often in college football. Um It's just, it's kind of where the ACC used to be in basketball back in the day, where just... Head and shoulders above everyone else. There's no comparison with anyone else.
3: Yeah, it was the ACC and everyone else. And now it's yep. the, at the current uh, – today it's SEC and everyone's chasing that league. And uh, it, it's unbelievable the amount of talent and the, and the coaches are able to lure all these players to those schools and the competition every week is, is fabulous.
2: Oh, it is. You know, I I touched on it, you know, I think last week and I've hit on it a lot. I mean, you know, when I'm sitting here on a Saturday afternoon like millions of others, you know, and I'm just sort of channel surfing, if there's no dominant game on college football that I want to watch, my remote just automatically stops at whatever SEC game I happen to come across. Because I know, number one, it's going to bring high energy on television. It's going to be good viewing, no matter who it is. I mean, we're at a point now where Kentucky Vanderbilt, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I just am. Like, if it's SEC, it's basically better than just about anything else that I'm going to come across when I have a choice of whatever, 20, 30 games on any given Saturday.
3: Oh, yeah. And, John, for those people who can't get enough, this week, uh, yesterday, matter of fact, the SEC announced They will launch their own network in August of 2014.
2: Wow. I did see that. It looks like it's in conjunction with ESPN, if I'm correct.
3: uh, Yes, it's in conjunction with ESPN. And, and John, they have their normal agreement with CBS. Well, this network is going to be able to overflow into that window, that 3.30 p.m. Eastern time window, to put a game on that network as well. And so for 13 weeks, they're going to have a minimum of three games. They'll have an early game and the normal game at 3.30 and then the evening game. And then some weekends, one or two, maybe have like four games. They're looking to have not only the SEC network channel, but they've signed an agreement with AT&T and U-verse. They're looking for an overflow channel so everyone can get all the games. That's how much they're going to saturate the, the markets. It's going to be a national brand and I, I think where it will help SEC, not that they need much more, but in the basketball, for instance, Florida and Kentucky, in Kentucky especially is a national brand, but some of these other schools may be able to bring in players from across the country, and uh, every game will be on the networks, that SEC network. So you could have a kid from California coming to, uh, you know, South Carolina, and his family will be able to see every game. And so it's going to help them in recruiting uh you know, it's going to be exponential.
2: Yes, and the SEC, it's not only about football or, for that matter, even basketball. I mean, baseball. I know South Carolina won the national championship, LSU's, Florida. I mean, I lived in Florida. You know, SEC baseball is very, very compelling. I was just in Florida, uh, literally 10 days ago, and there was like SEC baseball games on a particular channel. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I'm an NFL red zone fanatic. Last year, you know, enjoyed ESPN doing something similar with their goal lines channel and, you know, jumping around to games. But, you know, yeah, if the SEC just jumped around all day on Saturday to its games only, the viewership would be massive.
3: And it's going to help the Olympic sports, too, in the SEC. You know, you don't get those broadcasts very much from other leagues, but it'll be played nationally. so. All the coaches are enthusiastic. They had a big gathering yesterday in Atlanta. I think there was maybe 32 coaches from all types of sports announcing the launching of this network. One of the topics that was floated, John, the fans might be interested in, the SEC right now plays eight games, but there's talk of a ninth ninth game. And Nick Saban, he's a proponent of playing that ninth game because – with the six-one-one format, that's currently the standard. A player can will not be able to uh visit every school and play against that team during, during a four or five-year span. I think that takes about six or seven years. If you you uh reach out to nine teams every year, they'd be able to play a round-robin situation with all the teams in the league. So, and one thing I would ask Nick Saban if I was there would he still be willing to play uh, Wisconsin or Virginia Tech or West Virginia at a neutral site? Well, he answered that question. He he wants to play the nine games plus the top-level talent at the, at the neutral sites. So those are 10 outstanding games, and you only have 12 games in, in your schedule. So the fans are, are the beneficiary of that philosophy.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, this is all good stuff, knowing, of course, you know, in 2014, we'll also finally be the advent of the long-awaited, uh, what's it called, college football playoff, creative name. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's about time, and, you know, frankly, I like the name. I mean, just, they don't need to do anything to hype it. Just keep it simple, get it going, and everybody will be happy after all, after we've waited uh uh, a century or so for this. <laughs> so. Oh, my
3: goodness. I, there was a talk, I, I read stories way back in the late 60s, and they were complaining about, well, there will not be a playoff this year. And it's funny to look back at history and, and find out the complaint was the same from all the fans around the country.
2: Well, and boy, do I get that because, uh, as you know, AP, I grew up uh, half an hour from Penn State and maybe the very beginning of college football controversy, certainly among the most famous, was, you know, the undefeated 1969 Penn State team uh, when, you know, President Nixon, you know, declared Texas the number one team that year after they beat Arkansas in one of the first games of the century. And, uh, you know, for my liking, and I, you know, it seems like it all sort of really took off then, uh, but it's been around forever, you, you know, controversy over number one and no playoff system to decide it. But, you know, I, as a Penn State guy, I've lived it many, many times.
3: <laughs> oh, they sure have. They had they had to get that respect being the, you know, dominant team in the East. There was, you know, those question marks that they can compete at the level of maybe the
2: Southwest Conference or some of
3: those teams back
2: in the day. Absolutely. The the Lambert Trophy. We all remember it well, and it was not very highly valued back in those days. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, as always, great stuff, AP. Lots more going on in the sports world. It's as an invigorating time of year in sports as, as it gets. So why don't we take our break now and uh, we'll get to some of the other stuff on the other side.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America
0: Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and his band of the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
4: This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and Outdoor Rider Scott Festiel, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another Outdoor Rider, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info U.M. is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports,
2: Voice America. Voice America listeners, welcome back to Segment 3 of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at net. And on the line with us still is weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we were talking NFL draft and the last segment, uh which you attended down at Radio City Music Hall. Uh, for my money, it's the best time of the year in sports. I used to be uh a guy that felt like October was always the best time of the year in sports. But now that I live in Boston and have for many years, I've just really come, I think, full circle to, you know, where, you know, this time of year in sports is just, spectacular not only do we have nba playoffs and nhl playoffs occurring at the exact same time but you know tomorrow's the kentucky derby there's actually by coincidence uh, an actual heavyweight or not a heavyweight but a but a fight a boxing match that you know is getting a little attention which is uh you know fewer and fewer fewer and far between these days you know floyd mayweather and Guerrero. So again, baseball's going and, you know, and throwing the draft. It's just all going on. And we just spent a few minutes, to, you know, from the draft obviously spills into college football. So with that said, is this your favorite time of year? Or do you have a, I'm guessing probably no, because I'll, i guess you're a fall guy.
3: You know, John, that college football, that's hard to, to switch that dial when those games are on because of that pageantry at the colleges and, and on Sundays, you know, I'll watch some NFL as well. So, yeah, I have to have that pig skin in the air, or, and that really is what gets my juices going, I think. But, you know, I certainly like basketball, and, and that two-minute down at Louisville is very exciting as well. But I, I think that fall is it for me. And the World Series, it's the culmination of the baseball season. So I, I'm a fall guy, I believe.
2: Oh yeah, and again, there's a lot to be said about it because I've always been a fall guy, and football is my favorite sport. And you know, you you have obviously football heading to the or baseball heading to the postseason, plus the postseason itself. You also have football in full swing, and you have hockey and basketball getting started, uh, which is obviously all very, very compelling. And you just have, you know, the feeling in the air, the fall air. And I'm here in, you know, New England, as are you, which is, you know, as good as it gets. Uh, but again, you know, it's just, uh, really since I've been doing this show and hard to believe it's today is the hundredth show that I've done. Uh, you know, just the last couple of years, you know, with the Celtics and the Bruins. Both having these exhilarating runs where it's just, you know, night in, night out, right here in Boston, plus, you know, all the other games in both leagues, postseason games going on nonstop. And, uh, you, you know, so I, I've just been kind of swallowed up on it and it, and, and you know, you throw in a Stanley Cup, you throw in the big, the new big three era, and you know, it's been quite a run up here for the last few years in April, May, and, and even June, thank goodness. So, uh, yeah, it's tough, but, you know, like comparing silver and gold, they're both fabulous, to say the least.
3: Oh, yeah, John, the people in Boston, they've been really blessed in the last decade or so with all the success they've had with those teams. I mean, you have to save up all your coins <laughs> and see which game you can afford to attend. It's one of those things. Not many cities have that pleasure.
2: <laughs> yep. Exactly. Well, I'm going as a fan tomorrow night, so I know exactly how much it costs, and uh, it does get pricey, so you have to pick and choose, and, uh, you know, I'm going to the Bruins game, so, <laughs> you know, again, there's a, – a, hockey, I think, is the sport that translates best in person, meaning the difference between a hockey game in person and a hockey game on TV – Is the biggest gap. TV just can't portray the speed on the ice. Plus, you can't see the puck on TV, uh, uh, you know, as well as other sports do. It's just impossible. So I I always get excited when I get to go to a hockey game, especially you know uh, a playoff game. So I'm I'm fired up for tomorrow night. That's for sure.
3: Oh oh yeah, John, I agree. The hockey is the game that it's much better in person than it is on television. It's like some singers. One time I saw Johnny Cash. I couldn't believe how great he was as a performer. And, it, you know, my memory went back to the first time I went to a hockey game. I really enjoyed being there in person rather than watching on television.
2: Yeah, I remember the first hockey game I ever went to, which was when I first moved up here. I uh, went to a Bruins game and, you know, uh, it was astounding. Astounding uh you know i remember it like it was yesterday uh you know just sticking with hockey uh you know while we're on the topic and before we take our break uh yeah the the playoffs the bruins run underway i mean it's already just gotten off to an incredible beginning i happen to watch uh you know a lot of game a lot of hockey games this week uh you know the saint louis blues last night they won uh Scored the winning goal with under a minute to go. Guy hit a slap shot from about near the blue line. And this followed on the heels of game one against St. Louis Blues against the defending Stanley Cup champion, LA Kings, where the goalie basically just couldn't clear it out from behind the net and just like gave away a goal. So it's that I think is just, you know, the, an astounding beginning. To what have been a lot of great games to get underway. Overtime goal, uh game the other night with Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, so yeah, it's off to the start you would expect already, and uh, so it's going to be fun. Uh, do you tune in much, or
3: yeah, I don't get a chance to tune in too much, uh, John, with the schedule I have. But uh, it's a funny thing. I, I know some folks out in Los Angeles, and they really love watching the Kings play.
2: Yes, amazing how this happens. Uh, yeah, that's one of the fun things about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you know, you really see some of these cities, uh, you know, really unite behind their team. And hockey's a kind of sport. Team gets hot, and they go on a run, and all of a sudden you just see it building game by game where these cities, and I'm talking places like Carolina, you know, Charlotte or Greensboro, excuse yeah, me, one the one Panthers, place. you know. Last year, of course, was the L.A. Kings and, you know, who knew (laughs) that, you know, uh, and perfect timing for them, you know, as the Lakers, you know, demise seems to continue. Here comes the rise of the L.A. Kings, who have literally playing second fiddle would be a kind statement. You know, they haven't even been on the radar screen in L.A. for the most part for decades. And then last year they come out of nowhere as the number eight seed and, and win the Stanley Cup. So but yeah, you know. Again, a lot of these cities. I was here for in Boston, obviously, an Original 16. But, you know, um, Colorado Avalanche back in the day. I mean, just on and on. Anaheim, you know, all these cities get their moment. And it's just great to watch. I mean, it's great theater on TV when these places are going crazy. So... With that said, AP, I think it's time for our final break, and uh, we'll talk a little basketball back on the other side.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Time 3 p.m. Eastern Time on
1: the Voice America Sports Channel. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports. All moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world. Collegiate and professional. Take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development, and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports.
2: Voice America Sports.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back
2: to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of the 100th ever show of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And I want to start off my segment, as I often do, the final segment with my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, and it's the uh NBA playoffs, particularly tonight's Celtics and Rockets Game 6s, as they both continue in their quest to become the first team ever, to come back from 3-0 to win an NBA playoff series. Uh, we here in Boston are pretty familiar with that feeling from 2004 Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> what are your, what are, so what are your thoughts on this, AP?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Celtics right now, they're in an enviable p- position because they they've forced the hand of the New York Knicks, I mean, put all the pressure on them. So tonight up in Boston, they can kind of play free and loose, and and get that get that tie, get that tied up and see if they can you know force it back to New York City for the you know game 7 which would be unbelievable. Uh J- John, did you ever think that the Celtics would be down 3, you in this series?
2: No, you know, what a difference a week makes. Last Friday night was one of the more disappointing nights in recent Boston sports memory in that uh you know, they were coming home for game 3. Uh, obviously everyone knew that it was their first game back since the marathon bombings. So everybody knew that they were going to be honoring the victims and first responders. So high, high, high emotion that night in the garden. And the, and the Celtics just come out as flat as they've r- really come out since the big three era began of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and formerly Ray Allen and, uh, huge disappointment, but. You know, they were left for dead. And then Sunday, you know, it remind, I remember well, game four, Red Sox, when they were down 3-0 in 4 Sunday was some of the same. Jason Terry finally woke up from his year-long slumber, scored the last nine points. They win in overtime. And, uh, you know, so he's the Dave Roberts of of the Celtics now. And Plus, I w- I had you know, I went to the Bruins game Sunday night, it's the Celtics game, Began at 1, went into overtime, so that game ended around 4. Bruins are playing at 7. I, of course, go in a little early, and this is what I talk about when, you know, I say it's such a great time of year. I mean, so you get into Boston to the Garden, and there's all the Celtic fans still hanging around partying and celebrating, and all the Bruins fans are arriving for the last game of the year leading into the Cup playoffs. So to say the atmosphere was off the charts would be an understatement. Beautiful weather, just... It was just a great, great evening.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it's going to be unbelievable tonight to watch that game, the Celtics and the Knicks. I'm really looking forward to seeing if they could tie it up because when you get in a game seven, anything could happen. And if you get hot that night, there's nothing the other team can do. And the next thing you know, you created history. You know, by com- overcoming that three-zero deficit, first time in the NBA history that would be fabulous
2: exactly well there's been three hockey teams have done it and again i I mentioned that you know i know what it's like from being up here from 2004 red sox i also know what it's like to be on the other side as in (laughs) 2010 Bruins going up 3-0 and the flyers and flyers coming back from down 3-0 so we've seen both sides here in boston but you know uh the fact that you know again we're back to Boston New York that draws the bigger you know sort of the big parallel and if it's a game 7 in Madison Square Garden on Sunday the Knicks will have the weight of the world on their shoulders i mean it's just going to be great theater i i, I think every basketball fan and i know there's a lot of celtic haters out there obviously if you're a basketball fan, you've got to want the Celtics to win tonight, unless <laughs> yeah. you're a Knicks fan, just because the theater Sunday will literally be off the charts. And it's, oh, by the way, going to be pretty good tonight as well.
3: Oh, oh yeah, it would be great to be in New York. I, I swear, John, you, you're wondering if the players from New York would, would be competing on Sunday in that game thinking about winning the game or, or the the media approaching them with the questions if they lost.
2: That's it. Well, I, I think that's exactly what they're going to, you know, be thinking about. I mean, they've already gotten, you know, the appetizer with the whole, you know, media descent upon them with the funeral, wearing black, I, you just all of it already. And J.R. Richard getting suspended for elbowing Jason Terry. I mean, that's when the series turned, obviously. They had him dead in the – the Celtics were dead in the water.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, J.R. Richard, I, I mean, you know, he he elbows Jason Terry – Sits out, suspended for game four, Celtics win, and we know the rest of the story so far, but you know and that 's not even the only two games tonight i mean the the beauty of it is uh you know we 've got two other games first of all, Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder Houston also is down three o now down three two heading home like the Celtics playing at home tonight in Houston. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have the possibility of two teams doing it, and it seems like a good possibility that one of them is going to do it. It just feels yeah. like it's going to happen.
3: Yeah, I think so, John, because Blake Griffin, he's, he's day-to-day. I'm not sure if he's going to play tonight. So when you look at that L.A. Clipper team, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, John, which, which of those uh, teams that were down 3-0, which do you think is the more likely candidate to win?
2: You know, I think it's going to be – I'd have to pick the Rockets, Uh, straight-up objective pick, because uh, for the simple reason that Westbrook is out for the Thunder. It's just that simple. They've lost their number two guy, Durant's sidekick, a tremendous player in his own right. And, uh, you know, so number one, you know, the Thunder have a built-in excuse. But I just like the way Houston's playing. I mean, what they showed me in Oklahoma City the other night was really, really, you know, impressive. They're just a well-rounded team. You know, I think Kevin McHale's doing a great job as coach. And uh, I I just feel like, you know, the Thunder fell apart even more than the Knicks. And that's saying something on Wednesday night. That's really saying something, believe me. Uh, they, they both looked dismal. I just don't think the Thunder can recover. I think they're, they can't find themselves since they lost Westbrook. The Knicks, for all their issues, they haven't lost like a key, one of their best players for the rest of the postseason, put it that way.
3: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was, I was looking at that Clipper series as well, and I, I don't know what's yes. going to happen there.
2: With the, That's you know, a great, the uh, uh, you're, you're right, AP.
3: I mean, That's you know, I, I was mixing that in the middle of those other two series, but with Griffin out, I don't know what's going to happen in that series. It's when you, you lose one of the top players in the, conf, you know, in the league, and uh, you're in an NBA series, it, it, that, that could be the tipping point.
2: Well, absolutely. And just to close out the show, AP, I mean, you know, I, I, the Clippers, uh, you know, it feels like with the Lakers getting swept out that the Clippers really had a chance, have a chance to, you know, step up and, like, become, you know, finally start to cut into that Laker dominance of the L.A. sports scene. And uh, and the, the opportunity is here and now, but it sure feels like, you know, that uh, the Grizzlies are, you know, ready to step up. Clippers beat them last year in the playoffs, obviously didn't sit well, and, the Grizzlies went into LA the other night and uh you know they looked good. They looked real good. Now they're going back home to Beale Street and right now it's it feels like the Clippers are the, obviously the clear underdog, but it'd be it'd be kind of too bad. Like, like the Clippers have a real opportunity to to take to you know to own the stage in LA so to speak along with the Kings without the Lakers, and that just hasn't happened very often for the past number of decades, if ever.
3: Oh, yeah, no, you're feeling sorry for them because, like you said, the Lakers are down, uh, they've made it this far in the playoffs, the Clippers, and what happens? Their star players injured. It's yep. like the, there's the basketball gods are against
2: them or something. I don't know, John. Well said. Well said. Perfect line to close the show because – Certainly the basketball gods have never been on the side of the Clippers, and it looks like uh, they're not on their side now. So, again, great weekend of sports viewing. And, AP, as always, thank you so much for your contributions and joining the show. Great doing it with you.
3: Thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. Look forward to next week.
2: All right, AP, and as always, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.